0: I just always feel like Littlefinger is about himself. He he's gonna do whatever he needs to do in order to cover his own ass.
1: Welcome to Winterfell and I Can't Get Up, the podcast that asks mom what she thinks about Game of Thrones. This is season one, episode number nine. I'm Candace Huber, the owner of Tubby and Coo's Mid-City Bookshop in New Orleans, and I've asked my mom, Gail, who has absolutely no knowledge of Game of Thrones, to read the series and record her reactions for all of you. Read along, listen along, and follow my mom's journey through a song of ice and fire chapter by chapter as she discovers for the first time just how brutal it can be. When you read Game of Thrones with your mom, you win or you die laughing. In this episode, we cover Bran 4, Ned 4, and Jon 4 in A Game of Thrones. And now, Mom's Watch begins. So let's get into it and just start with Bran 4. So here Bran is just watching out of the window as everyone plays and he can't play. He's so upset that he can't run and play with the Direwolves and with his brothers and old Nan is sitting with him and he laments that the crow lied to him because the crow told him that he could fly and he certainly cannot fly. He can't even run or walk or anything. And old Nan wants to tell him a story, but he says he doesn't want any more stories. He's tired of it. And then we get a little bit of background on old Nan, which I thought was really interesting. So two kind of important things that we learn about old Nan. One, she's so Super old. Like, real old. I know. Like, I was going to say, just how old
0: is old man? She's, like, Methuselah old. Right? right? Like, right?
1: They, you know, because,
0: I mean, that's is. what I was thinking, because I was like, she's known... All of the Brandons, all of them.
1: So pretty much. You
0: know, like so since the beginning of Winterfell. Of time. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, you exactly. Know?
0: So I'm like, okay.
1: That's how they make it sound, right? Yeah. So no one really knows how old she is. They never mention an age. It's just like nobody knows how old she is. But like when my dad was young, she was old Nan and she's been old Nan for as long as anyone can remember. So like you said she's like Methuselah old. She's just been around forever. <laughs> and then Catelyn
0: had told brand that She just gets all the Brandon's mixed up now. She thinks they're all the same person or whatever. Right. Because she's been through so many brands. She knows all of them. Right. So, you know, I just, I'm like, okay, she's like ancient. Yeah,
1: she's pretty old. And the second thing is that all that's left of her bloodline is Hodor, the stable boy. And the only thing he ever says is Hodor. And he's the only one left of her entire family. And so I thought those two things were just, you know, they they go through a lot of stuff. But those were the two sort of important, most important tidbits about old Nan. And Bran is thinking about how Rob has changed because he's like Lord Rob now. And so he doesn't act as much like his brother anymore. He's trying to be Rob the Lord in charge of Winterfell because both of their parents are gone. And Bran sort of just feels abandoned. He's like, everyone left me. They went to King's Landing without me. None of my parents are here. My brother now has to run Winterfell. And he's stuck in here with this old lady who is just wanting to tell him a bunch of stories. And he's like, not interested. And old Nan says, well, I can tell the story of Bran the Builder, who we learn is the person who built Winterfell. And some say he also built the wall. And the story, she's like, oh, that's always been your favorite story. And Bran is like, No, and that's kind of when they mention, like you said, that she gets all the Brandons confused. And he tells her he prefers scary stories, and I want to hear something scary. So old Nan says at this point, one of my favorite quotes ever, and one of my favorite sayings to say to people, Oh, my sweet summer child. (laughs) Because he's like, I want to hear scary stories. And she's like, Oh, my sweet summer child, you can't handle the intensity of real scary stories. And she starts telling this story about the Others. And Bran gets super into it. And so, in this story, thousands of years ago, there was an endless winter that was so horrible that people would rather die and smother their kids than live in it. And during that winter, the Others came for the first time, sweeping over everything and killing anything with hot blood in its veins. The last hero set out to locate the Children of the Forest. And this is the first time we hear about the Children of the Forest, who were the very first inhabitants of the kingdoms, and who supposedly were still around, at least at this time. So this hero searched for years and years. All of his friends died. The others hunted him with, like, giant spiders and stuff. And then they get interrupted. So what did you think of this, these stories and old Nan and Bran and all of this, Mom? So, well, first of all, I
0: was thinking, "Oh, Nan must have a really good constitution; she's lasted so long right. you know like she's she's like paw paw strong, so right. yeah, yes. you know, I'm like, okay, so she's really strong i also I thought it was funny when she said you know, oh, my sweet summer child. Like, what do you know of a winter? You've never experienced winter. And then she tells him about how the winter was so bad, you know, that people were murdering their kids and killing themselves and everything so that they didn't have to endure the winter. And then she's like, is that the kind of story you want to hear? You know, like, really? That's what you want me to tell you? And he's like, well, yeah, but, and she's like, okay. And then she Starts telling him the story about the others and how they were horrible, you know, to everybody and, and killing and everything, killing everything. And then they're the children of the forest were hopefully gonna save them. And I thought that was interesting about the children of the forest because I'm thinking mm, they're probably still there somewhere. These children of the forest, we we don't know that yet, you know. Nope. Yep, <laughs> but we have no idea. But I'm thinking maybe these children of the forest are still there. You know, they're saying this is thousands of years ago, but. But I thought it was great how brands getting drawn in by her story and drawn in. He's like, you know, yeah. like, oh, my God. you know, like, Ooh. But then they get interrupted. And you know, yeah. there's a bang that you can imagine. And he's like, oh, he jumps. Because the <laughs> <sky, you know? laughs> there's like the bang. And then I could just see him jumping and going, oh, no, you know, whatever. So you don't really know. If the children saved that last, yeah, hero you don't get the end whatever, of the story. Yeah, you don't get the end of the story, so you don't really know what happened to him
1: later on. Bran assumes that the hero wins, wins because, because he's a kid, and the heroes always win. Well, right? because they're but, they're there,
0: you know. We they continue. They continue to be people. People, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know. So you have to. So assume they they won. fought back
1: the others. Somebody fought back the
0: others. Right. Right. So anyway, so I thought that was interesting, and then the next part was interesting as well.
1: Yeah, because Maester Lewin and Hodor are the ones who interrupt them in the middle of this story, and they come into the room and the Maester says that Bran is being summoned, and Hodor has to carry him to the to the great room because Bran is, you know, can't he's crippled and he can't walk. And Hodor is this huge guy, and they say that, and so he just picks up Bran like he's nothing and he carries him everywhere around. I kind of think of him as sloth. And From
0: the goons, you know? I like love bit. Know. Yeah. I'm kind of like he's that. that. <laughs> he's messed up and all of that, but just that he's that mentality and that, you know, like, I feel like he's a really good guy at heart, but everybody's sort of scared of him because he's so gigantic and everything. Yeah. I thought the other thing that was interesting about this is that you find out, you know, the only word he knows how to say is Hodor.
1: Hodor. You know, right. That's what we get.
0: <laughs> but... Then old Nan says, you know, everybody assumes that's what his name was. But old Nan is like, thinks it's hilarious because that's not his name at all. No. So you find out that his real name was Walder. Yeah, And that... I guess he didn't know how to say it. He said it Hodor or whatever.
1: You know, for some well, reason she he says, says She says they don't own. know where Hodor... Nobody knows where Hodor came from. Right. Just that that's not his name. And for some reason, that's just what he said. And so when he started saying it, that's just what everyone started calling him because that was the only word he had. Right. So we don't really know where Hodor came from. No. And, and you know, I,
0: I was thinking, well, you know, why would they even say what his real name was? You know, like, is that significant in some way like why do we need to know what his real name is but I guess I'm assuming it's significant but I guess we'll find out you know we shall but I really like why they interrupted him was because Tyrion Lannister was there to see him yes and Tyrion was coming to help him because John asked him to come and help him and he's gonna make him a saddle basically i'm gonna so he can ride get him yeah so he can ride well i also find think him a good horse and, and and because i know how it feels to not be able to ride without a special saddle you know i thought that was all really good
1: yeah well and how when rob- he first gets there mm-hmm. rob is not very welcoming i guess no. of Tyrion, he welcomes the members of the night's watch because there are some people that have Accompanied Tyrion, including Yorin, who we met before, but a bunch of them have accompanied Tyrion. And Rob just is like, "Oh yeah, y'all are all welcome," but he doesn't make Tyrion feel very welcome. And I, what's interesting is that when Hodor walks in with Bran, and Tyrion sees him alive, he makes the comment that the Starks are hard to kill. Yeah, and Rob is like, "Yeah, you better remember that," you know, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and then Tyrion asks Bran what he remembers about the day he fell. And Bran doesn't remember anything. And Tyrion finds that curious that he doesn't remember anything. And then that's kind of when he says he has a gift for Bran and he brings him the plans for the saddle that will allow him to ride the horse. And Rob is kind of confused and he's like, why are you being so nice? Like, this is weird. He's a Lannister. Why is he being so nice to us? And that's, Tyrion says, well, because John asked me to do it and I have a soft spot for, quote, cripples and bastards and broken things. Right.
0: And that kind of pisses Bran off when he says, ah, and then he says, I'm not a cripple. You yeah. Know? Now, let me, let me go back. So when he asks Bran, you know, what do you remember about that day? And Bran's like, I don't really remember much. And he finds that curious. It's almost like. George Martin or whatever the author is, you yeah. know, he's trying to plant a seed of doubt, I think at that point, because, you know, and I'm still not, con- you're never going to convince me that Tyrion Lannister had anything to do with Bran getting hurt and all of that. Right. Yeah. But it's almost like he's trying to plant the seed of doubt. Like, why are you asking him? What does he remember? You right. Know? Why do you find it curious that he doesn't remember anything? Like who, who are you going to go back and tell about that? And I'm like, Nope, Nope, not working. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not working for me you're not planting that seed for me and then like you said he he has the soft spot you know and and poor little bran he's like i'm not a cripple you know but he is a cripple poor little fella you know i don't know yeah. if he'll come out of it or not but then i thought it was funny the next thing that happened too is with Rickon comes in with all the dire wolves and all the dire wolves are ready to attack Tyrion.
1: Yep, they go they after do him. Not they don't like him. They, they do don't not like, the way like he him. smells or nope. whatever.
0: And I thought it was almost going to be the exact opposite. Like when the dire wolves started to come in, I thought, oh, they're going to smell John's wolf on him or something. Yeah. You know? and, and they'll accept him. But they.
1: They were going after him, man. And they all had to call them off. Like Rob and, well, Bran does it first. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no. And then Rob and Rickon call off their wolves. And then Rob is like, I have no idea what's gotten into them. And Tyrion says, it's fine. I'm leaving. I'm going to go stay in an inn. I understand that I'm not welcome here or whatever. And he pieces out. And then Bran has a dream when he takes a nap where he's clearly remembering some stuff and he wakes up, and Hodor is there to comfort him. He just has this nightmare, and to the reader, it's clear. Like, he's remembering what happened, but he doesn't realize that. And Hodor is sitting there at his bedside, and he kind of comforts them, and then carries him to dinner with the Night's Watchmen, and Bran hears the news that his uncle Benjamin has gone missing beyond the wall. The men of the Night's Watch tell Bran and Rob. That, you know, he's surely dead. He's been missing for a long time. And Rob just won't accept it. He's like, my uncle is not dead. He's fine. And Bran says, I know the children of the forest will help him. The children of the forest are going to help my uncle. And they all just kind of laugh at him and say, well, the children of the forest have been dead for thousands of years. So good luck with that. And the end of the chapter was so sad because they're so afraid. Rob and Bran are sitting in the bed in Bran's room and they're just holding hands in the dark, and Rob is crying, and he's trying to tell Bran, like, "Oh, we can go on an adventure, and we'll go find Uncle Benjamin, and it'll be fine." But he's crying the whole time. Mm-hmm. So they're definitely really afraid.
0: And they'll go visit John at the wall, and yeah, yeah. But they feel like they've been left alone. They don't know what in the heck to do. And they're two little boys, and one of them's crippled, right? You know, I mean, it was that was really broke my heart yeah that was rough like this is sad and rob is really still my brother you know like all this time he's been thinking oh rob you know is lord rob now or whatever and you know he really is just my brother yeah he's trying to
1: do his best just like everybody yeah so no one died in this chapter but we did kind of end on a sad note there so moving on to ned four so Ned, this was a really interesting chapter. We I feel like we got a lot of information. Ned is talking to Maester Pysell about John Aaron's death, and we get some points of information. So number one, John Aaron had asked Pycelle for a particular book the day before he fell ill, and Pycelle could tell that something was troubling Aaron, but he was super healthy. There was nothing wrong with him, but he could tell that there was something troubling him. And then the next morning, after he asked for that book, he was too sick to get out of bed. Number two, Maester Coleman, who was a different Maester who was there at the time, thought that it was a, what they call a chill in the stomach for John Aaron. And he was purging him because he thought basically that he had some, he had eaten something bad, food poisoning or whatever. So he was trying to purge Aaron. and Maester Pycelle says that He was doing it too much, and like I was afraid he was gonna kill him, so I sent him away. I wouldn't let him purge John Aaron, and I sent him away. And then the third thing is that John Aaron called out the name Robert several times towards the end, and his last words were, The seed is strong, whatever that means. So Ned asked Pysel, if he thought there was anything unnatural about John Aaron's death, and Piscell says, Well, no, it wasn't any stranger than any other death. I've seen a bajillion deaths, and this wasn't any stranger than anything else I've seen. And then he mentions that Lysa Aaron, who was John Aaron's wife and is Catelyn's sister, has become like super bonkers and she sees enemies everywhere and whatever. And he's like, She's paranoid, FYI, like, you know, she went super nuts. And Ned asks Piscell if he thinks John Aaron could have been poisoned. And Pycelle says, well, that's a disturbing thought because even in the free cities where people murder other people all the time, the poisoner is beneath contempt. So, like, who would do that here? And he admits that it's possible, but he thinks it unlikely because John Aaron didn't display any of the signs of the common poisons. He was well-loved. Who would want to poison him? And Ned comments that poison is a, quote, woman's weapon. And Pycelle says... Yeah, and cravens and eunuchs. And he says that Varys is a eunuch and he's not to be trusted, and Ned is kinda like, duh. So all this this is like a lot of information that we're getting there. And of course Ned asks to see this book that John Aaron was asking before asking after right before he died. And Pycelle says, Well, it was just some boring thing about the lineages of the great houses or whatever, but when I find it, I'll send it up to you. And he also confirms that Cersei, or he says that Cersei was not in King's Landing when Jon Aaron died because she and all of her kids had gone to Casterly Rock to visit her father. So what do you make of all of this information? Because when Ned walks away, he kind of wonders who Pycelle is serving too. So what do you make of all this new information that has come to light? Um,
0: I found it interesting that he sent, the uh the other meister away when he was trying to purge him because if somebody's poisoned that's what you'll do you'll right you'll purge them right and and try to make them better and and so he probably was making him better by purging him if he had been poisoned yeah um and so it i found that funny that pysel sent coleman or whatever his name was off because he didn't think he was you know he thought he was purging too much and was making him worse or whatever and so sent him off right Mm -hmm. you know when actually he probably was making him better Mm -hmm. um that's one so that that does make you wonder who pycelle is serving I also wondered how old he was as well, because he's like old enough to be Ned's grandpa. Yeah, he's, you know? he's pretty old. He's yeah, pretty old too. Anyway, so I thought that was you know interesting. And then the other thing that I thought was interesting was that Cersei and Jamie and all of them, none of them were there. Right. Um, they were all at this tournament for Joffrey's name day for his birthday. Birthday. Yeah. And um, and he even mentioned how Jamie lost that he lost the tournament. So it was a big disappointment and everything. Yep. And I also thought it was funny that he didn't just go get the book immediately and go, oh, yeah, sure. You know, here, I got it right here on the shelf. Here, take it. Let you know, give it back when you're done with it. Right. He says, oh, no, I'm going to have to go find it. And then once I find it, I'll give it to you. So, you know, that gives him time. Well, what do we know? Maybe he doesn't even have the book anymore. Maybe somebody else has it. Right. Yeah. Or it would give him time to make some kind of changes with the book, you know, yeah. or whatever. I mean, there's something thing obviously hidden in that book, you know, that they don't want Ned to know about, right? Yeah. So, that's, you know, the stuff that I was thinking about.
1: Well, after that, when Ned is walking away, he finds Arya on the steps of the tower, yeah. doing what looks like dance moves, and he's like, what are you doing? She's, like, standing on one leg and doing all this stuff, and she says that Serio, her new teacher, says that water dancers can stand on one toe for hours, and they never fall, and, you know, whatever. She's trying to do that. And then she asks Ned about Bran, and she's like, you know. Know, is is Bran gonna be able to do any of this stuff and Ned says well there's a lot of stuff he'll be able to do like he'll be able to be a king's counselor or build castles or become high septon you know there's a lots of other stuff he can do besides being a knight and Arya says "Ooh, well can I do that can I build yeah. castles and be a high septon and whatever and Ned says well no you're gonna marry a king and you're gonna rule his castle and like your sons will do all of those things And she kind of gets mad. She's like, "No, that's Sansa. That's not me. Like Sansa's gonna do that." And Ned kind of just sighs at her and walks away. But that was a cute interaction because Arya is like, "Wait, I'm I'm gonna do all that stuff," and he's like, "No." And she's like, Mm -hmm. Uh, "No, that's Sansa." Like, Mm -hmm. "I ain't
0: believing what you're telling me, Daddy." Right? I love their little interactions. You know, his relationship with Arya. I really like his relationship. It's very. You can see how different it is between them than it is with the other kids you know what I'm saying
1: so yeah I I like that and Um, Ned goes back to his room and Littlefinger is like waiting there he mm -hmm. comes to visit Ned in his chambers and he's been questioning or he's found out that John Aaron's servants there are still some of them around and he's like I have some people for you to talk to and specifically John Aaron's squire is still around he was knighted after John Aaron's death And Ned is like, oh, this is great. I'm going to send for all these people. I'm going to talk to all of them. And Littlefinger is like, no, hold on. And points to some different people out the window. And basically just points out to Ned that he's under close watch. There are people everywhere who are watching Ned. Varys' people, Cersei's people, who knows who else. But a lot of people are keeping very close tabs on Ned and what he does. And Ned needs to be careful. And so he asks Ned, is there anyone you trust implicitly? And Ned says, yes. And Littlefinger's like, well, that's the wrong answer. But I would send somebody you trust to go talk to these people to get the information because your comings and goings are under watch, but they can't watch every single person every hour of the day. So I definitely wouldn't go but send somebody else. And Ned thanks Littlefinger for his help. And he's like, you know, maybe I was wrong to distrust you. This is really helpful. Thank you. And Littlefinger says, distrusting me was the wisest thing you've done since you climbed down off your horse. (laughs) (laughs) I thought
0: that was pretty funny but I still don't know what his end game is who Littlefinger Littlefinger, yeah we don't know he's I mean you know is his end game to try to still win Catelyn you know is his end game to really help ned and and become one of his trusted folks or i i just always feel like little is about himself he he's gonna do whatever he needs to do in order to cover his own ass basically yep. you know, <laughs> like and if it's with ned well then i'll go be ned's bot partner but if it's with Varys, i'll go with go over there and help him out if it's with robert then i'm on his side you know what I'm saying, oh, he, yeah, he plays it's a good all, observation, Mom. you know he doesn't he <laughs> he doesn't play, he plays all sides of the fence, oh yeah, you know, yep, so he's right now, his bread is being butted by Ned, so guess what i'll, I'll help you, out, partner, you know, look, look at these folks, these folks are watching you, you better watch it your back, you know, yeah, but then next thing you know, he might be going to Varus Ver- and saying, you know what, I told Ned about your boy watching him. So you might want to find somebody else to watch him. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it just depends on, I think he goes whichever way the wind takes him. You know, it's mm-hmm. like where, whoever's going to be most beneficial to me, I'm going to use them for everything that they got and come out smelling like a rose. Pretty spot on
1: for a little finger mom. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. <laughs> we only met little finger like three times and mom is like, I know this dude. I know this guy. So yeah, no one died in this chapter either, so Yay. we have gone a very long time with no deaths, so no we'll doubt. see what happens. Yeah. But the, the last chapter we read was the fourth John chapter, so let's talk about that. John is out practicing in the yard with the other noobs under the watchful eye of Alisha Thorne, who is a piece of crap. Oh my god, I hate him. Oh my god, god he's him. the worst. Oh, he's
0: such an asshole.
1: And a very overweight kid interrupts and says he was told to come there for training. And, you know, since Thorne is a dick, he immediately makes fun of the new kid for being fat and calls him Lord Ham and everything else. Yeah, and then tells point. one of the other boys to just beat the fat kid as hard as he can. And, of course, that kid listens to Thorne. And in less than a minute, the poor new kid is on the ground, like begging for mercy, but Thorne won't give up and tells the other kid his name is Halder, to just keep beating Sir Piggy until he decides to get up, even though he's on the ground like yeah. I yield he's like, right. keep like, beating up
0: what kind- i mean that, that is a special kind of an asshole,
1: right? You know what I'm saying?
0: I'm like, what who does that like
1: the and what poor is that kid doing is
0: on the ground begging for mercy saying please please stop and he's like oh no beat the shit out of him you know like keep while him he's up, on the ground know? and then he tells him something about slapping him on the side of the face with the with the side of your sword yeah you know, or whatever just slap him on the side and then he does that and then he hurt you know he cuts him or whatever and i'm like seriously are you kidding me right now like you know he just abuses his power. Yeah. He is a control, you know. I I I don't know what to think of him. He, I know what to think of him. I don't want to say it because it's very ugly.
1: <laughs> 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 well, because he is very ugly and the absolute worst. And it gets to a point where John just gets enough of it. And he steps in and puts a stop to it and tells Halder, like, dude, there is no honor in beating a fallen foe. Basically like kicking a man while he's down, there's no honor in that. And Halder listens to him and Halder stops and he's like, "All right." And he tells Thorn, you know, like, "Yeah, he yielded. Like, I'm not going to keep doing this." And Thorn says, "Well, since John is so in love with his new lady love or whatever, then I'm going to force you to defend him and you got it's going to be one on 3." And John says that he's double teamed kids on him before, but he's never sent 3 kids after him. So, he just tells this new kid, like, get behind me, you know, he's, like, ready to go. Yeah, like, come on,
0: bring him on.
1: Right. You know? So, before we move on, I just want to mention, because I can't go through this kind of shit without, like, mentioning this, the... Fat shaming in the first part, this is like almost unreadable. It was horrible. The level of fat shaming and then the misogyny of him being like, oh, this fat woman on the ground who can't even fight. I was like, no, I can't. I can't deal with this. I can't deal with this. I know. It was bad. It was. It was was
0: horrible. That's why I said, I know what to think of this son of a bitch. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean, because, okay, really? You're going to fat shame this kid, first of all. You know, you're going to call him all these horrible, terrible things. And, I I don't know. And then he wants to make fun of John for taking up for him because... And why is it like,
1: oh, you're a weak woman? Like, right. go F yourself, dude. Like, right. I, I, don't right. know. I have no... Uh, I don't know. I just...
0: And, and, you know, I felt so bad for this, this little boy, you know, this kid. I don't know. I, I just thought of him as like a little... Boy, you yeah, know, young boy, yeah, he is. that is just—he's only like, fifteen, yeah. So you know, not, so I'm much like, later why on, yeah. would you do this to this child? You know, I—I I don't know. And again, I know they don't think of fifteen-year-olds as little boys anymore; they think of them as grown men, you right. know. But anyway, you're right. It was very difficult. But it was the worst, and I just, you know, was like, oh my god. I hope karma <laughs> comes around to bite you in your ass because you're
1: the lower
0: than the belly of a snake
1: for real and so John prepares to fight these three other kids and then two other members of the Night's Watch Gren who is the kid that he kind of broke his wrist and stuff the last time and apologized to him and another kid named Pip come and stand with John and they're like all right we'll make this three on three and they all fight of course and then John's side wins and then Halder is like oh I almost had you that time like you can tell they have a rapport Mm -hmm. and they were not gonna super hurt each other like Thorne wanted and so Thorne just kind of slinks away and the new kid whom we discover he introduces himself as Samwell Tarly and he's so grateful to John for helping him and then Gren says like why didn't you get up and fight dude like what were you doing you know and Sam says, because I'm a coward. And the other boys and are like, like, whoa! <gasps> How I'm could like, you, I'm like, you're saying that? Like, no. like, like, who does that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh my God!
0: Nobody admits that they're a coward. Like, right? Who does you're that? A coward? You don't admit that you're a coward. <laughs> right? You know? It was like so. They shocking were taken to aback. Them, yeah, you know that somebody would actually admit to that, and, and then, then you learn some stuff about that. You kid, do well. Like cool he. They
1: go about their business for the day, so they all kind of the. Practice yard is the first thing they do in the morning. So they all kind of go about their day, and John is doing his daily chores, and he's thinking about what Sam said, and then he thinks about something Tyrion told him, and Tyrion said that most men would rather deny a hard truth than face it. And so he thinks, you know, that kind of took a weird sort of courage for Sam to admit to being a coward, because most people wouldn't, you know? So he's like, you know, okay, so he's done, he goes to dinner. And Sam is off sitting by himself. And so John goes and sits with him. And Sam is like, I'm afraid to sit with the other kids. And so John is like, all right, let's go outside. And Sam thinks, what is this kid going to do to me? He's like really reluctant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he follows them and they talk. And this is where, well, first of all, Sam... They talk about the wall, and Sam is like, I'm not going to have to walk up all of those stairs, am I? Because I will <laughs> literally die if I have to walk up all those stairs. And John is like, oh no, there's a winch. They'll pull yeah. you up. And Sam is like, oh, I'm afraid of heights. And John is like, are you freaking afraid of everything? Like, what? And if you're so cowardly... Why did you even come here? Why did you join the Night's Watch? And that's when we hear Sam's sob story. It's so sad. And it
0: breaks your heart. It really does. First, on a side note, I just want to say how I loved how John, when he was thinking about Sam thought about something that Tyrion said. You know, yeah. that Tyrion taught him something. And I still believe that the two of them are going to end up together. <laughs> um, even though Tyrion is now in Winterfell and Jon's on the Wall, I just feel like, you know what? I don't care that he didn't take you with him because you're going to come back to him sooner or later. <laughs> so I can't wait for them to get back together. So I just want to say that. And then I want to say... How my heart absolutely broke for poor little Sam Wise. I mean, he's
1: so sweet. <laughs> Not he- Sam Wise, that's the Hobbit. He's Samwell. Oh, Sam <laughs> <laughs> Well. <laughs> Sam You can just Sam call him w- Sam. It's w- I Sam. keep wanting to say Sam. It's w- easy w- to mix them up. I'm Samwell, fine. Samwise, Sam <laughs> Wise, kind of same difference. But. Sam, Sam wise is, is a hobbit. Sam okay. Well is Game of Thrones. Okay, thank you. You could just say <laughs> Sam. It's cool. Sam.
0: We're just yeah. gonna call him Sam. Anyway, little Sam.
1: His daddy, you know is a huge piece of crap. Oh. So my let's God. go back a little bit um to give a little bit of his backstory. So he was born as the heir to Horn Hill and to a noble family. His dad is Lord Randall Tarly, and he is a bannerman to Mace Tyrell. And this is the first time, well, I guess the second time, because they talk about borrowing money from the Tyrells, but this is the first time we really hear about Mace Tyrell specifically, who is the Lord of Highgarden and Warden of the South. So we know that he's a big deal because there's Wardens of the North, South, East, and West. So he's the Warden of the whole South, and Sam's dad is a bannerman to him because they live in the South. And Sam was supposed to inherit Hornhill and this great sword named Heartsbane, which is a big deal. It's been passed down in their family for like 500 years or whatever. And he was supposed to inherit all of that. It, that also, it's important to mention that that sword was forged of Valyrian steel, which you don't really see anymore. It's the best steel in all the land and it doesn't really exist anymore. So it's, this sword is like a huge deal. And Sam ended up just being a huge disappointment to his dad. And this is where I identify with Sam. Not that I'm a disappointment. But I identify with Sam because he's a nerd. And that's why he was a disappointment to his dad. Because he didn't want to do things like fighting he's very soft-hearted he doesn't like blood he didn't like killing animals or hunting no he likes he likes dancing and and music and books you know (laughs) like i just want to do my arts thing you know and kittens (laughs) it's like like his favorite things are dancing and kittens and cooking and books and Whatever. And so he's a huge disappointment to his dad. Because, right. Because his daddy considers him soft. Right. You know, and right, uh, and useless he's, as, a,
0: as a male. Right. As a man. man you know, so, I, which I thought was just really very sad. I just really did. And I, and he's always so cold because he's from the South and, yep. you know, now he's in... He says he's yeah. only seen snow for the first time, like, a month ago yeah, or something. Yeah, he was on yeah. his way to the wall. Right? Yeah. And he said, I saw this white flurry stuff, and I was like, what is this? And then it got freezing, and then I was freezing my butt off, you right? Know? And so, he, and he doesn't even like the cold, you No, know? he doesn't. So, yeah, so then you find out that his dad pretty much gave him a choice and didn't give him a choice, right? Yeah. And,
1: well, they trained, they tried to train him to be a knight. Like, his dad tried and brought a bunch of people in and whatever and just nothing worked and he just wasn't cut out for it and so his mom had a second son and so when the second son was born on Sam's 15th birthday yeah. that's when his dad gives him this choice it's not yeah, a choice that's
0: choice it's not a choice and he says either you're gonna go to the wall willingly and voluntarily or we're gonna go hunting in the woods and we're just gonna have an accident and you're not gonna come back from the hunt right You know, I mean, who in the hell, what kind of a daddy does that to a kid? Yeah, I'm going to
1: kill you. You So, like, you go to law or you die. And we're we're just
0: going to tell your mama that it was a hunting accident. Yeah. You know, so your mom never knows what really happened to you, right?
1: I'm like, what? And the other thing is that he flat out says, "I have no reason to disown you. You've done nothing wrong, so I can't just disown you and give it to your brother because I have no reason to do that. So this is why you either have to go to the wall or you have to die because that's the only way I can give it to your brother because you've done literally nothing wrong, right?" And it's like. What, what the fuck
0: <laughs> <laughs> no and, yeah again him and alice Thorne should be good partners is right i feel about that you know i'm like really but again i cannot wait for him and his dad or him and his brother to meet back up because i get the feeling He's gonna end up with that Valerian sword anyway. <laughs> with heart's <card> pain, <laughs> yeah. You know, I get the feeling he's gonna end up ruling anyway. I mean, because what happens? His brother goes into a fight or something. Something happens to his brother. Well, he's the he's the one that's gonna take over, right? Also,
1: his brother's name is Dickon. Can we please just talk oh, about that yeah. for a second? I was like,
0: seriously, Dickon
1: Tarly. Just saying, that's his brother's name. Oh, um,
0: <laughs> anyway, so. And I also know that he will be forever loyal to John. John
1: Yeah, well, because after this talk where Sam tells John his backstory, John doesn't really have, he doesn't say much in response to it. He's just like, let's go back to the dining hall. And Sam says like, no, I think I'm just going to go to bed. And he goes off to bed and John goes back to the dining hall and there... The other boys are making fun of Sam behind his back and they're like, you know, calling, you know, whatever and John says, "Y'all need to stop this." He puts a stop to it and he tells them all, <laughs> "They better not mess with Sam." And he basically knows how to work a room. And it says like some of them he just talks to, some of them he deal. He, he like threaten, basically like wheels and deals to make sure that and he gets them all to agree that they'll leave Sam alone except for one kid, Rast. And that night, after everything, after everyone's going to bed, John, Pip, and Grin, and Ghost sneak into Rast's room, and they hold him down, and Ghost nicks him enough to draw blood in his neck, and John is like, you will leave Sam alone, or else. And then after that, he tells everybody he got nicked with, while shaving, or whatever, yeah. and then none of the boys D- is done. Yeah, none of the boys <laughs> give Sam a hard time That's ever right. again after that. That's and right. even when Thorne, like, rages and threatens them and whatever, they leave Sam alone. They, they're kind of soft with him. They're nice to him. And then after some weeks after that, Sam becomes integrated into the group. He's laughing and joking with them and whatever. And he pulls John off to the side and he's like, I know you did something. I don't know what you did, but I know you did something. And thank you. I really appreciate that. I've never had a friend before. So I really appreciate that. And John says, we're not friends, we're brothers. And it talks about how John has had this realization now that he still loves his brothers, Rob and Bran and Rickon, but he was never really one of them. Catelyn made sure that he was never really one of them. But now he's on the Night's Watch and these are his new brothers and he is he is one, one of them right. and so sam and gran and pip like these are his brothers now and so and he has this sort realization. of a of them you know like yeah he, they listen to him they look right. up
0: to him you know side note pip freaking cracks me up pip is so
1: funny <laughs> he's like a little a little guy i know. i
0: see him as like this little impish kind yeah, of kid he is um, yeah. that's just full of silly yeah. You know, he's just silly, and they were saying how he tells the stories, and he acts like all the characters, you know, when he tells the stories, and how-
1: And he they, knows from people's accents, because he's traveled all over, right, he knows from your accent right. exactly but where when you're he from. does the lady
0: accent, or when, <laughs> when he portrays the lady, that really just tears them all up, and they all crack up. Uh-huh. So, that, I just love, I love that kid, just because I think he's silly, and I think he's fun, and he's- He's like John's, John's little sidekick, yeah, you know? He's on John's side. So, yeah. you know, yeah, he cracks me up.
1: So, again, no deaths this entire segment. We had zero deaths. So to move on to help a mother out. The people that we met in this segment that were new. Old Nan, she's been talked about, but we finally actually got to see her. Hodor, same. He's been talked about, but he played a bigger role. All the boys of the Night's Watch, I call them, they're like lost boys, right? Like I call them the Lost Boys of the Night's Watch because that's basically what they are. They're all kind of orphaned at this point. They've been sent away. So I just call them the Lost Boys of the Night's Watch. But the ones that they sort of talk about, Pip and Gren, who we met before, are kind of the big ones that are on John's side. And of course, Samwell Tarly, or Sam, who just got got, uh, introduced in this segment as well. Then the following people have been mentioned, but we haven't met them yet. So Mace Tyrell, as we said, is a Lord of Highgarden and Warden of the South. Jeremy Riker and Corin Halfhand are two Rangers of the Night's Watch that have gone out ranging beyond the wall. And they've actually come back. Um, so they've gone to look for Benjamin. They haven't found him, but they have come back. So those are two Rangers that we know exist. Randall Tarley, Sam's father and Lord of Hornhill. And Dickon Tarley, Sam's younger brother. And then, just to mention, even though this isn't a person, Heartsbane, a 500-year-old Valyrian greatsword, because they named it and it seemed like a big deal. So, where everyone is at the end of this segment. This time, I've broken it up into, like, houses, because it was easier. Because people are, like, everywhere, and there's a bajillion people at this point. So, the Starks, Bran, Robb, Rickon, and Maester Luwin are all at Winterfell. Ned, Sansa, and Arya are in King's Landing. Jon Snow is at the Wall. Catelyn is on her way back to Winterfell with Sir Roderick. She hasn't returned yet. Benjen has gone on arranging mission beyond the wall and hasn't yet returned. And Nymeria is also still off missing in the woods. So that's all the Starks that we know of. The Lannisters. Tyrion is at Winterfell, accompanied by some members of the Night's Watch, including Yorin. Cersei and Jamie are on their way to King's Landing with Robert's party, who it feels like it's been a while, but they're only a day <laughs> behind. They're not back yet. And Tywin, who they've talked about, we know that Tywin is their dad. He's over at Casterly Rock, but we haven't really met him yet. That's all the Lannisters. The Baratheons. Robert is, with his huge party, on the way to King's Landing. And his party also includes the Hound, Barristan Selmy, who is the Lord Commander of the Kingsguard, Ilan Payne, who is the Executioner, Cersei, Jaime, Joffrey, Marcella, and Tommen, those are all in Robert's party. Renly Baratheon is already in King's Landing and Stannis is at Dragonstone. So that's all the Baratheons. The Targaryens, Daenerys and Viserys are still with the Dothraki, Khal Drogo and Jorah Mormont in the Dothraki Sea. We haven't gotten back to them yet. And the Greyjoys, Theon is in Winterfell, the Grey Wolf kid. He's the only Greyjoy <laughs> we've met so far. And then the Night's Watch, Mormont, who they also call the Old Bear. So whenever you see someone saying the Old Bear, that's Mormont, the leader of the Night's Watch. Thorne, Bowen Marsh, Maester Eamon, Donal Noy, they're all at the Wall. And of course, the boys of the Night's Watch and Samwell Tarly are also at the Wall. And then other players, Hodor and Old Nan are in Winterfell, and Varys, Littlefinger, and Pycelle are in King's Landing. Lots of people... Lots of people spread out everywhere, which is why I was like, "I'm just gonna go by house this time." Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier. The death toll for this segment is zero, so we've now gone 111 pages oh, wow. with no deaths. So we're over 100 pages again. Now War is coming. <laughs> we do have two missing persons. Yeah, well, a missing well, person and a missing wolf. Right, but over 100 pages with no deaths, and I think it took 130 something last time before we hit. Okay, well, death's so. coming. It's probably coming. Do you have any final thoughts? I think that's it. We just, winter is coming. It's true. (laughs) Winter is coming. And that's our show. Listen next time as we discuss Ned 6, Catlin 5, and Sansa 2. You can catch us every Friday on iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Tubbyandcoos.com. If you like our show, please consider leaving a review or a rating on iTunes. It really helps us to spread the word. And when you're sitting around discussing Game of Thrones with whoever, mention that there's this great podcast they should listen to. You can find a recap of this week's podcast at www.tubbyandcoos.com podcast. You can also follow the bookstore on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TubbyAnnCoos, spelled out, to keep up with all of our work. Hit us up and let us know what you think as you read or listen along. We'd love to hear from you, but no spoilers, please. Mom doesn't know what's coming, and she follows us, so please do not put spoilers on our social media. I'm Candace Huber. And I'm the mom. And now, Mom's Watch has ended.